This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Nine Lives with Dr. Cat is brought to you by Heroes for Healthy Pets. We're passionate about your pet's health. And iHeartCats.com. Cat lovers, welcome to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat, and I'm your host, Dr. Catherine Prim. I'm a small animal veterinarian, and as you all probably know, I am owned by a cat named Scamper. So it's been my goal to make this podcast and show an opportunity for everyone to learn about how to take the best care possible of their cats. And I have a really cool guest with me today, Dr. David Dykus. Dr. Dykus is a specialist in surgery. He is a diplomat of the American College of Veterinary Surgery for Small Animals. And he's going to talk with us a little bit today about some of the orthopedic bone and joint issues that can affect cats and what cat lovers need to know. So we'll be right back with Dr. Dykus right after these messages. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome Dr. David Dykus. Hi, Dr. Dykus. Hey there, how are you? I am doing great. I'm so excited to have you with me today because I think that cats have maybe suffered in silence from some of these things just because people didn't know and because they like to hide their illness from us. So can you talk with us a little bit about some of the things we might need to know to keep our cats healthy with their bones and joints? Oh, absolutely. And, and I think you're absolutely right in terms of recognizing pain in, in cats because cats don't tend to act like dogs when it comes to showing evidence of, of pain. Cats tend to show pain quite differently in that they like to hide. They will have some behavioral changes. But I think from an orthopedic standpoint and, and for the pet owner to know, probably some of the biggest changes that will occur in cats with pain is they will stop wanting to jump up on surfaces, maybe the counter. They'll want to stop jumping off of objects. Maybe they don't want to jump off the kitchen counter or maybe they're reluctant to jump off the bed. That should be a big red flag that something is bothering them. 
And I think the same holds true with both cats and dogs in terms of trying to keep bones and joints healthy. It all revolves around keeping them at an ideal body weight and not letting them get overweight. From a simple standpoint, we can think of increased weight putting increased stress on the joints, and that's going to, over time, load joints abnormally, which can create or contribute to arthritic changes, which just like in people can contribute to long lasting kind of smoldering chronic pain. So I experience in my practice that people often say, oh, I didn't know my cat could get this or that. And I think that people maybe don't realize that cats can get osteoarthritis and that obesity could be a contributor. So I'm glad that you brought that up. I think that we have to be watching our cats really close to realize that these subtle changes may be indicators of something more serious. Oh, absolutely. Small changes just uh, such as a lack of grooming or maybe someone has a very personable cat and now the cat's not being as personable. Maybe they're hiding under the couch or hiding under the bed more or when there are people around the cat that would normally engage with other individuals, uh, usually isolates itself. That can be signs that not only they are painful, but maybe something more pressing from a systemic standpoint is going on from a lot of different disease conditions in cats. So some of those subtle changes for behavior and the way they uh, keep their coat and those sorts of things should prompt owners to seek out veterinary attention when they feel like something's just not right. You know, maybe the cat's not limping, but maybe they just seem a little off or a little odd or their behavior is a little different. That should be a red flag that maybe we ought to look into seeing what's going on and if there's something pressing that's causing these issues. Well, I think that it is important for pet owners to not say, oh, she's just getting old because normal aging doesn't always create these kinds of changes and there's often something that we can do about it. You're absolutely right. I think when we look at some subtle differences between dogs and cats. So for example, dogs, when they develop osteoarthritis or arthritic changes, it's usually due to some sort of abnormality in the joint. So in other words, dogs should not develop arthritic changes just because they're getting older. But cats are a little different. So dogs, we consider they develop secondary osteoarthritis, meaning there's something else driving the event. Cats tend to develop more of a primary osteoarthritis, similar to people. The issue is that we don't really know what initiates that event or causes that event. So we call it idiopathic, meaning we just haven't figured out all the ins and outs. Just like in people, there may be genetic susceptibilities. Certainly, again, weight plays a big role, but also traumatic events. So cats love to jump off of objects. They love to jump up on objects. And so when an animal jumps off of an object and they land on their front limbs, they're going to put a lot of force on their elbows, their wrists, and their shoulders. And interestingly enough, in cats, we see a lot of elbow arthritis. And my, one of my suspicions is that over time, that's probably due to just repetitive loading on the elbows from cats living their normal life and jumping onto surfaces. But when we brought cats into homes, now they're jumping onto tile floors and hardwood floors or concrete. And so the surfaces are harder than what we would find outside in the ground. And maybe it, it is to do with the fact that it is in our houses. So it's the same surface at the same height every time and more repetitive than if they were jumping down out of a tree branch one day and off a rock the next. So I think you're really on to something. And I, I want people to be very aware of these little subtle changes. Yeah. I think anything that we prompt us to think that 
their attitude or their behavior is getting a little different. We like to, as you mentioned, think that, oh, it's they're aging, they're getting older. That's just a normal part of things. But in reality, it's not. You know, we shouldn't have an older cat that all of a sudden doesn't want to be as friendly or that all of a sudden stops grooming themselves the way they should. Those are sort of those outer liars that, that tell us something's going on, that we need to look into this and, and figure this out. And I think that's the cat's subtle signs of trying to say, hey, there's something going on here. We need to, to get this looked at and checked out and, and get on top of it before it gets out of control. And litter box habits. I see a good bit of issues getting in and out of litter boxes because of pain, and that gets blamed on other things. But I would encourage all of our cat lovers, just ask your veterinarian if, if nothing's wrong, then nothing's wrong. But if something's wrong, you can do something about it. Oh, absolutely. And and you bring up a very good point when it comes to the litter box, because some animals come in for, for inappropriate elimination. And, and let's say they've gone for years and years and years, and they've always used the litter box. But now a cat is uh, urinating outside the litter box. And, and we try to track down, well, what are some of those causes that, that may be occurring? And one of the things that needs to be on that list is going to be pain. Sometimes simply it's just painful for the cat to crawl into a litter box, especially if it's raised to urinate or defecate and then crawl out of it. And so in other words, they sort of weigh the pros and cons and say, I want to get in the litter box, but it hurts. And so I don't want to make myself hurt. So I'm going to ultimately urinate or defecate outside of the litter box. So it can certainly be more reasons than just behavior or urinary type issues, but it can actually also be underlying pain that's involved. Well, so when you went to become a surgeon, did you realize that you would still have to deal with litter box issues? No, 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 no. I mean, that was one of the things, uh, you know, when I when I thought about bones and joints, the, the urinary system was so far outside of that realm, I, I just uh, didn't think some of those things. But when we back up and, and really look and, and think, well, gosh, that, that makes sense. If they have to step into something just like us and people, if you have really significant arthritic changes and you're painful, one of the goals is to figure out, well, what are the daily living activities that you need to do? Do you need to get into and out of a car? Do you need to be able to walk up and down stairs? And if you do, then we need to do things to make it less painful for you to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be reluctant or unable to accomplish those tasks. And so I think in animals, it's very similar. If a cat is painful and can't get into a litter box, we got to figure out that the cat is painful first. But then we also have to figure out, well, what do we do to make this cat less painful so that way the cat can get in the litter box and do what the cat is supposed to do on a normal routine basis. So we talked about osteoarthritis. And, and can you give us a little bit of an idea of how many cats are actually affected with osteoarthritis and at what age? That's a great question. And the literature kind of goes back and forth. And, and this is something we're actually just beginning to, to really look at. And so when we look at, say, radiographic evidence, so we, we take an x-ray so we can see the bones and joints and we see evidence of arthritic changes. So in adult cats, it's been stated that about 60% of adult cats have radiographic evidence of osteoarthritis. What that means is we're seeing changes on these radiographs that there's some damage to the joints. The challenging thing in both people and in cats and in dogs is that just because we see radiographic changes on an x-ray doesn't necessarily mean that the cat or the dog is painful at that current moment in time. But the interesting thing about this is that a lot of cats, when they either succumb to disease or maybe they've been euthanized and they have an autopsy done, there is evidence of arthritic changes in the joints 
but the cat succumbed to a different disease process. And so that actually increases the percentage of cats that probably have arthritic changes, but we just never knew it. And one suspicion could be that maybe we just failed to identify pain or recognize pain in these cats because they do such a good job at hiding it that in reality, yeah, they were painful, but we just happened to miss it because we didn't pick up on some of those subtle signs. So what do you tell your cat owners about management of the pain once you identify it? So cats are tricky. Cats are very tricky to manage pain long term. Now, one of the areas of active research is what can we add in? What can we develop so that way we can appropriately manage pain in cats? And so Unfortunately, in cats, we don't have very good anti-inflammatories that we can give them for very long periods of time. We also don't have really good just oral pain medications that we can give cats. So a lot of it is if we have a cat that's quite painful, let's try to use what resources we have to try to get pain under control pretty quickly and then see if we can do some things to help minimize the discomfort down the road. And so initially for the first three to five days, we may prescribe an anti-inflammatory. We may prescribe some sort of other type of pain medication. And then we just want to have the cat kind of rest and relax for the better part of a week or two, just to try to let some of the inflammation subside. But then I'm a very big proponent of physical rehabilitation. Just like many of us, if we have arthritic changes, our surgeon or our primary care doctor may say, you know what, why don't you go see the physical therapist and let's see if we can do some things to decrease the inflammation, if we can make the joint as we move it through range of motion feel better, and at the same time, maybe get some weight off and strengthen muscles to minimize pain. And a lot of times, we first and foremost don't think about physical rehabilitation in veterinary medicine much at all, but it's certainly on the rise. And then within veterinary rehabilitation, we tend to think dogs more than cats, but cats can undergo physical therapy. We can do things like what's called laser therapy. We can do therapeutic ultrasounds. We can do neuromuscular electrical stimulation. Some of these exact same things that they do to people when we go to physical therapy. We can also develop protocols and exercises for cats that will allow them to build up muscle but not put them at risk of becoming injured. But cats are a little different than dogs when designing physical therapy programs. A lot of times we have to rely more on if a cat likes, for example, chasing a laser pointer. We can work in rehabilitation exercises using a laser pointer to keep the cat's attention. If cats like various toys that are attached to a string or something of that nature, we can again, use various toys to stimulate them and engage them. Dogs tend to become engaged with treats and and that sort of thing. Cats tend to like toys and laser pointers. And then believe it or not, if we're at a facility that has an underwater treadmill, a lot of the cats actually tolerate the underwater treadmill very well. We always tend to think of cats hate water and they don't want to have a bath, but they tend to tolerate putting them on the underwater treadmill very, very nicely. And that allows us to use the concept of buoyancy so we can take some of the weight off of the joints, but then the cat's still able to continue walking. And that can really help in getting pain under control and really help in building up endurance and building up muscular strength. 
Well, that's really fascinating. And I've seen videos of that. And I love that you're doing physical therapy and recommending physical therapy because not only is it great for your cat and your cat's body and managing the disease process, but it encourages you to spend time with your cat and learn how to care for your cat in the best way possible. And I love that. That's one of my things. Oh, absolutely. One of the things, and I didn't recognize or realize this when I was going through my rehabilitation training, but it certainly strengthens and increases the human-animal bond, whether it's with a dog or a cat, because this is one of those situations that many of times the owner is involved. When they come to physical therapy, they're involved in seeing what's being done with their pet. But at the same time, just like when we go to physical therapy and our physical therapist says, here are all the exercises we're going to do today. And then when we leave, they always hand us that little handout or, or give us a sheet of paper and say, okay, here are the things you need to be doing at home to help us build for our next rehab session. We do the same thing in veterinary medicine. We give the owners homework to do. And so again, that requires them to engage and interact and bond with their animal because they're having to do their homework. So that way we can make progress the next time they come in for their rehab session. Well, I love it. So we have talked about osteoarthritis, which is sort of the hidden pain for cats. And a lot of cats are affected with that. But there are some other things associated with bones and joints of cats that I want to talk about. So we're going to get a quick word from our sponsors and come back with Dr. Dykus to talk about some other issues of orthopedic things in cats. Well, before we go to break, I want to tell you about something really cool that I have discovered. And it's called Pretty Litter Cat Litter. Now, you might think that cat litter is not really something to get excited about, but I'm a veterinarian, so gross things tend to excite me. Now, the cool thing about Pretty Litter, though, is that it has a built-in health monitoring system. So, it changes colors and kind of helps you keep tabs on your cat's urinary health so that you know when it's time to call your own veterinarian. Other things about it that are super cool is that it's lightweight. The whole entire bag only weighs four pounds, and it lasts for an entire month for one cat. So no more dragging these 20 or 30 pound bags of cat litter and buying them every time you're at the store. Pretty Litter is delivered straight to your door every month with free shipping. So it's pretty convenient. It helps keep your cat healthy and it's easy for you to carry around. The best part about Pretty Litter though is if you go to prettylittercats.com and you enter the code 9LIVES, N-I-N-E-L-I-V-E-S, you can get 20% off of your first subscription order. So go and give it a try and tell me what you think. We'll be right back. It's the Cats of Laughing Thunder in The New Businesses Adventure. Follow the hilarious adventures of the cartoon cats of Laughing Thunder as they each launch a business to earn money. Sven starts a cooking show with dishes that are a bit bizarre. Yolanda builds a robot with serious issues. Fritz buys a blimp to film weather videos. Pumpkin publishes a how-to-be unmannerly website, but they face many troubles along the way. From silly adults to stupid teens. From unruly robots to wild weather. Will they succeed? Find out in this awesome illustrated children's fiction book featuring the cats of Laughing Thunder in the new business's adventure. You can purchase their latest adventure book at shop.laughingthunder.com. That's shop.laughingthunder.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. 
Welcome back to Nine Lives with Dr. Cat on Pet Life Radio. We're continuing our conversation with Dr. David Dykus, who is an orthopedic surgeon in the veterinary field, and we're talking about pain and bones and joints in cats. Dr. Dykus, I wanted to talk a little bit about maybe some things that might affect younger cats, maybe some disease processes or something that you see on occasion in younger cats that my cat lovers might be interested in. So we do see every now and then some congenital abnormalities in cats that will sometimes involve the lack of formation of, of certain bones. We can see the, a cat develop that, loot, that doesn't develop one of their lower arm bones or cats that are missing toes or those sorts of things. And in some of those situations, we can do things about it. Uh, some of those situations, we can't always do something about it, but we can try to manage it. And where veterinary medicine is heading which is very similar to human medicine, if we have some of these congenital issues, we can certainly start to think about doing partial amputations and then prosthetics, or we can fit them with certain orthotics, which are types of braces or wraps or those sorts of things, so that it helps them function a little better. So when you see people with braces or you see a person with a um, prosthetic limb, we're able to start doing some of those things in, in veterinary medicine. But young cats as well, they love to just go wild and crazy they love to climb things. They love to jump off of objects, especially if they get outside. And so we see a lot of traumatic issues in cats, particularly around the ankle and the knee. And what will happen in a lot of these cats is, let's say they're trying to jump out of a tree and they get their leg caught, or they go to pivot and turn, step in a hole. They will develop knee injuries very similar to people that like to go snow skiing, where they get their leg caught up and they tear lots of ligaments in the knee. And so we'll see that in cats where they come in and they've torn multiple ligaments in the knee. And we do have the ability to go in and reconstruct those ligaments to give them a, a comfortable functional knee. And then we also see the cats that like to break bones, just like in people or just like in dogs, where they can come in and, and we can certainly do things, whether it's putting on a bone plate or some other device that allow the bone to heal appropriately. And many of these patients go on to live great quality of lives. But these injury type things are, are not going to be subtle. They're not going to be something that you wonder, oh, I wonder if my cat got hurt. They're going to be obvious, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They usually come in either not using the leg at all or have a very, very severe limp. The more common scenario is when the cat gets outside and maybe they don't come home for a day or so. Sometimes they either get out and they become injured and they're not able to move around. So it takes them longer to get home. And then sometimes they come home with wounds and, and that sort of thing that identify either trauma or maybe they got into a scuffle with another animal or something of, of that nature. So really the, the key is as cat lovers to be watching your cat and note anything that's not normal, whether it's really noticeable or really not noticeable. And I guess also to be aware that there are people like Dr. Dykus who know a whole lot about bones and joints and can help make recommendations like physical therapy and medications to help you help your cat. Is there anything else that I forgot to ask you that you wanted to cover, Dr. Dykus? No, I think you covered most things, especially the more pertinent things when it comes to orthopedics and cats. I think the big take-home message, as you just mentioned, should be anything that you think is off or anything that seems different to you 
certainly go to your family veterinarian first. That would be the recommendation for the first line of defense. Just like you or I, if we have something that's bothering us and it's not severe enough that we need to go to the emergency room, we're going to go see our primary care doctor. And most times overnight, they're going to be able to figure out what's going on and say, okay, here's how we're going to treat this. And then every now and then they'll say, you know what, this is something pretty serious. You probably ought to go see a specialist. And that's where I would come into play to, to be able to see and, and pick up from where their primary veterinarian allowed me to, to kind of step in and help provide some care. So, you know, anytime you think something's off, seek out veterinary care. I think as most of us veterinarians would love to see the visit where a dog or a cat comes in and the owner said, you know, he was limping really badly. But now he's not, and I, and I almost canceled the appointment. Well, I would rather see happy, healthy dogs and just say, you know what? I think we probably did something, and we're over it, and we're better. But I'm glad you came in, so we're able to make sure there wasn't something going on that was more serious. And those are the visits that I tend to enjoy the most because we're seeing uh, healthy animals, and we're able to make sure there's not anything going on rather than the other side of the spectrum where somebody waits and waits and waits and then gets something gets so severe that it's much more challenging or even more expensive to try to treat. I tell my clients all the time, sometimes I don't like to be right. You know, when I have a suspicion <laughs> yes. of something that's not great and then it comes true, I tell them I'd rather be wrong, but I want to check this and knowledge is power. And I think that's exactly what you're saying too. We, we should check it out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I would rather see a dog and say, you know what? I don't think there's anything going on, but let's just check and to make sure. I would much rather see those patients than, uh, than have a, a major issue going on. Well, me too, and I find that I can make a difference a little more easily when it's earlier rather than they've waited and they've searched on the internet and found things to do, and it just seems harder to manage those cases than the ones that come in right away. Yeah, it makes it much easier to sometimes get under control. The tissues tend to be more receptive to treatment and manipulation when we have an acute issue versus when we've got something that's been going on a long time and we have a lot of scar tissue and a lot of chronic inflammation. Those sometimes take a really, really long time to get under control. And sometimes we're not able to get it under control despite our best efforts because the tissues are just too far damaged. Yep. So act early and ask your veterinarian often. That's what I always say here. Make sure you have a relationship with your veterinarian and that your veterinarian has a relationship with specialists like Dr. Dykus if their services are needed. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So it was really fun to talk to you today about cat bones and joints. And I thank you for being here today. Also, I want to thank our amazing producer, Mark Winter, and all of my cat-loving audience. I want you guys to go out and have a perfect day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.